We'll hear argument first this morning in Case 07-1372, Hawaii versus the Office of Hawaiian Affairs. General Bennett. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, a 1993 Congressional Apology Resolution did not alter Hawaii's right to transfer its public lands or repeal by implication prior Congressional enactments that had extinguished all competing claims to those lands. It was, as its sponsors said at the time, a simple apology and no more. The lands in question were the former crown and government lands of the Kingdom of Hawaii. The Republic of Hawaii was the successor in interest and ownership to those lands and was recognized as such by the United States. The 1898 Newlands Resolution of Annexation recited that the Republic of Hawaii was ceding the absolute (coughs) fee ownership of those lands to the United States and that that session was accepted, ratified, and confirmed. Once the United States Congress so acted, All competing claims to title were extinguished, and under precedent going back almost 200 years, the determinations by Congress to accept the session were final and conclusive on any court. Does that that proposition settle the question whether your opponents had an equitable interest in the lands? Your Honor, what the respondents have contended from day one of this case is that they have a property right in in the land, and the Newlands Resolution conclusively settled that question. There is no property interest that could have competed with the United States' perfect title. That perfect title was passed to the State of Hawaii in 1959 through the 1959 Hawaii Admission Act, which But but would the State of Hawaii, under Hawaii law, be entitled to take the position, if it so chose, that as the new owner of the lands, it has a special duty as a trustee that some other owner might not? Your Honor, the Admission Act gives the State the right to manage and dispose of the lands according to State law. So the political branches certainly have the right to decide which lands they're going to use for which of the five purposes. But then then it's just a question of whether the Hawaiian Supreme Court, assuming that it made the decision that I hypothetically stated, whether the Hawaiian Supreme Court, as opposed to the Hawaiian legislature, could make the determination of whether or not there is some special trust obligation imposed on the State of Hawaii by reason of its own duties. Well, Your Honor, in this case, what Respondents urged was that the apology resolution changed the legal landscape and commanded the State to hold these lands possibly in perpetuity uh, without alienation. The Hawaii Supreme Court specifically found that the apology resolution dictated the result here, that plaintiffs' claims did not even arise until the apology resolution was signed into law by President Clinton. In addition, the plaintiffs, the respondents, urged upon the Hawaii Supreme Court a property right, a property and ownership interest in these lands. Even as But, General Bennett, if I understand correctly, looking to your question presented, the only thing before us is the effect of the apology resolution. The question presented doesn't say anything about the Admissions Act or the Newlands Resolution. So shouldn't we just stick to the question as you presented it? Whatever the picture is, does the apology resolution have any substantive effect? Your Honor, that certainly is one question before the Court, but we believe fairly included in that question is the issue of the nature of the State's sovereign authority. The question presented talks about whether the apology resolution changed in any way the State's sovereign authority, and a question certainly anterior 
and predicate to an intelligent resolution of that question is the nature of the state. Why is it necessary? Why isn't it sufficient just to say that this resolution has no substantive effect, period, and then remand to the Hawaii Supreme Court? Because, Your Honor, the Hawaii Supreme Court's decision also rests on a premise foreclosed by federal law, that is, that there are competing claims to title. As late as page 18 of the red brief, respondents even say now that Native Hawaiians are entitled to these lands as a matter of property law, but they do not say anywhere in the red brief how that property law claim arises or how that property law claim could survive the Newlands Resolution, the Hawaii Organic Act, or the Admission Act. Well, General, the difficulty I have is that not only do they not say so, the Supreme Court of Hawaii didn't say so either. And it seems to me that we would be well advised to make sure that we understand the reasoning of the Supreme Court of Hawaii before we start talking about the relationship between the various federal statutes and whatever this claim may be. I simply don't understand the claim myself. I do understand your point, because I think this much is clear from the Hawaiian opinion, that they think the apology resolution seriously affects the claim. That we can deal with. But once we get out of that, the whole case seems murky to me. Am I missing something? Well, Your Honor, the Hawaii Supreme Court at page 69A of the appendix to the petition said that this was a claim seeking an injunction, injunctive relief with regard to property rights. At page 87A of the petition's appendix, the Hawaii Supreme Court said there are questions regarding the title to the State's ceded lands. There may well be, but the Hawaii Supreme Court chose its grounds, and it said at one point the resolution dictates the preservation of the ceded land. Another place it said that Federal law provides the basis for its decision, and that State trust law is interwoven with that Federal law. It also said that Federal law grounds the decision and provides the governing legal standard. Now, they could not have been clearer. They repeated at least five times that their decision rested on the resolution, that everything turned on that resolution having substantive effect. That's why they said their decision was driven by Federal law. And I don't know why we shouldn't take the Hawaii Supreme Court at its word repeated so many times. Well, Your Honor, we believe that Respondents attempt to trivialize this Court's jurisdiction. They say, for example, in the brief in opposition, that even if this Court were to reverse, the Hawaii Supreme Court will simply reinstate the exact same decision, and presumably they would press upon the Court the exact grounds they've pressed for 14 years. That is the question. We don't know that for sure. It may well be, but there's a large difference. That is, if they're relying on the Federal ground, that insulates them from any check by the Hawaii polity. But if they're forced to rely on State law, then it's up to the people of Hawaii, whether they like it or not, they can change the State statutory law, equitable notions, constitutional law. But by doing what the Hawaii Supreme Court did, they've taken the case out of the realm of State law, subject to the political check, put it 
on Federal grounds. So I think that that's what's the issue properly before this Court, and not anything about the interpretation of the Admissions Act, which, if, if it's implicit in your question, uh, it's a little hard to see. Ordinarily, if a party wants us to address the effect of a piece of legislation, they will mention that in the question presented. Well, Your Honor, I, I agree that this decision clearly rests on federal grounds, but we would also suggest that the question presented talks about whether the state's sovereign authority is stripped, and the state's sovereign authority we would submit is clear. The United States had perfect title. The state of Hawaii succeeded to the United States' perfect title. Respondents do not suggest that anywhere in their pleadings why that is not so or why they continue to press, even with this Court, this property right claim to these lands. And so we would suggest that it would be prudent for the Court to address what we believe is the fairly included question of the nature of the state's sovereign authority, especially as it would appear to be entirely uh, not subject to contravention by the respondents. Well, well I'm not be, sure it would be prudent when the great bulk of the opinion was based on the apology resolution. Uh, and I, I, I certainly do think you have a powerful argument that the apology resolution presents us with a federal question. But uh, the more far-reaching question, as Justice Ginsburg suggests, might not even be very specifically within the question presented. And even if it's fairly embraced, you use the word prudent. It seems to me prudent for us to confine our decision uh, to the effect of the apology resolution and whether or not the Hawaiian Supreme Court got that part of it right. Well, with, with respect, Your Honor, the Court certainly could limit its ruling, but in a case that's gone on for 14 years and which in virtually every pleading the respondents have filed, they have asserted essentially that the State lacks title to these lands because the United States lacked title the overthrow of the Kingdom of Hawaii was illegal and that that's the precise reason for 14 years the state has either been through an injunction or as a practical matter not been able to alienate its lands that that this court certainly has the ability for a question that we well, if the apology resolution is put aside I, I'm not quite sure what is left other than state law issues well what's left the, could would there be anything to prevent the Hawaiian legislature from passing a law that says we have absolute we have title to these lands but we're going to impose a five-year moratorium on any transfer of the lands because we want to uh, promote a reconciliation process your honor certainly under the terms of the admission act the authority given the political branches for the management and disposition of the lands is broad and would run up against only the federal common law of trusts that the Ninth Circuit says governs. Uh, but that's, that's not what the Hawaiian Supreme Court said. And I'm reading from page 98A in the, uh, the, the petition appendix, the, the concluding portion of the opinion. We hold, number one, that the apology resolution and related state legislation give rise to the state's fiduciary duty. The only federal statute mentioned is the apology resolution, and the rest of their reasoning seems to rest uh, upon some kind of state equity law or trust law. Uh, now, that trust law may ultimately be inconsistent with prior federal acts, but the only, the only thing they're disclosing right now uh, is, is, aside from the apology resolution, seems to be state trust law. Well, Your Honor, 
the Hawaii Supreme Court did say that this is an injunction based on property rights. The Hawaii Supreme Court did say Well, trust law is based on somebody's property rights. Uh, we don't know whether they're talking about legal rights or equitable rights. Uh, and uh, that, that's consistent with the statement I just read to you. But, Your Honor, at page 85A of the appendix to the petition, the Court said that the Congress recognized that Native Hawaiians had unrelinquished claims to the ceded lands, and as a result of that recognition, the apology resolution dictated the entry of this injunction. We believe that clearly that's not so, but that this idea of unrelinquished claims is an unrelinquished property right claim. This is what was urged upon the Hawaii Supreme Court at every stage. But, but General, I, I, with respect, I still don't know what the position of the Hawaiian Supreme Court is going to be if this Court rules that the apology resolution does not support the proposition that you just read. I don't know whether at that point the Hawaiian Supreme Court is going to say, okay, all we've got left to deal with now is state trust law, or whether they're going to pull another rabbit out of the hat and say, but there is, there is some kind of uh, uh, prior, uh, there is some kind of a, a, a claim against which prior federal law could not prevail. I don't know. And I, that's, that's, that's why it seems to me, uh, to, to say the least, imprudent to wade into it at this point. The one thing we know that seems to have been significant to their decision is the apology resolution. And I think we would be wise to stick to that. Well, Your Honor, uh, what our response would be is a simple one, that the issue of the state's title would, in our view, be undisputed. The United States title was perfect and indisputable. The state's title is perfect and indisputable. And this Court has said that one of the functions in, in cases where respondents claim an adequate and independent state law ground is to remand the case by disabusing the state court of incorrect notions of what federal law either permits or requires. A point on which both you and your adversaries seem to agree is that uh, the apology resolution really is not critical to the decision of the Hawaii Supreme Court, because if you thought that simply taking the apology resolution off the books would provide an acceptable outcome from your point of view, you'd be happy with our deciding just that narrow question. And your opponent explicitly says that the apology resolution wasn't critical to the decision of the Hawaii Supreme Court. Isn't that true? Yes, Your Honor, and they've not asked this Court to affirm. And isn't it true that you don't think that just saying the apology resolution did not uh, change anything would be insufficient? Your Honor, because it seems to us clear that both the respondents and the Hawaii Supreme Court believe that there are property right claims that Native Hawaiians have. We believe that those property right claims uh, are clearly inconsistent with federal law, the Newlands Resolution, and the Admission Act, and that there is no reason for this Court not to reach such a clear claim. They don't say, that, 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 I mean, nothing in the resolution and nothing in the does anything in the Court's opinion or the resolution say that the claims are valid. You all know they have claims. They've been making claims. Is there anything in any document I have that says the claims are valid claims? Maybe they're valid. Maybe they're not. The, the only thing is the position of the respondents who assert. Of course, they think they're valid. But, but, but I mean, uh, so, so since you have normally one group thinks they're valid, another group thinks they're invalid, well, there we are. Let them fight it out. 
And all we could say is that this resolution of the apology doesn't really uh, say who's right. And if uh, Hawaii wants to give some uh, more money or whatever they want to do for the native Hawaiians, that's their affair. What's the, what's the, what's the problem? Well, Your Honor, it is certainly true that the apology resolution does not, as respondents state, recognize the validity of any claims, but federal law forecloses the validity of any claims, and we believe that that is a question that is fairly included anterior to the question of whether the resolution stripped Hawaii of of its sovereign authority. It is only natural for the Court to declare what we believe is the indisputable proposition that Hawaii's sovereign authority is based on. Could Hawaiian legislature pass a law saying the native Hawaiians had claims? Those claims, because of the federal 1950, whatever it is, are not valid anymore. But that was pretty unfair to them. And therefore, what we think we should do is the following. And then they pass a whole lot of things that they think would be appropriate to do in light of the, what I just said. What stops that? Your Honor, the, the legislature has wide discretion in managing and disposing of the assets. Of and the, the legislature, if it wanted to, as I understand the Admission Act, it lists five purposes, says any one purpose, and the legislature, if it so chose, could say we want this property, the proceeds from this property, to be for the exclusive better betterment of the conditions of the Native Hawaiians. They could, it would be up to the legislature to give it all to the Native Hawaiians, wouldn't it? That would not violate the Admission Act, Your Honor. That, that would not? That would not. Would it violate the Admission Act if the legislature did not say, say, we're giving it to them because we want to, because we think it's a good idea? No, we're giving it to them because we think they have a right to it. And we feel that we must give it to them because it's theirs. Your Honor, if — Would that violate the Admissions Act? If the legislature believed that it bettered the condition of Native Hawaiians to provide proceeds or land to Native Hawaiians, the Admission Act gives them that ability to do it. Did you answer my question just then? Yes, I I agree. Please, let me me put my question again. Let's assume that the legislature does not say — We want to give it to the Native Hawaiians because we like the Native Hawaiians or because we think they deserve it, but rather we think we have to give it to the Native Hawaiians because it's theirs. I think that would be contrary to federal law, Your Honor. I think it would be. Uh, Your Honor, uh, if I may reserve the remainder of my time for rebuttal. Thank you, General. Mr. Jay. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, three binding federal laws make clear that the State of Hawaii has absolute fee title to the lands in the Federal Trust and also has the power to sell those lands for the purposes Congress set out in the Trust Instrument. What do you think uh, on the question presented issue? Are all of the federal laws on which the Hawaii Supreme Court relied to say there was a cloud on the title before the Court? We think that they've been in the case uh, from the beginning. They're, they were clearly pressed in the State Supreme Court, and we think they're fairly encompassed in the question presented, uh, partly because, as General Bennett said, the, uh, the questions reference to the State's sovereign authority 
which necessarily includes consideration of the act which made Hawaii a sovereign state, the Admissions Act, is, uh, is a necessary antecedent to resolution of that question, but also because the, admission, the apology resolution itself, uh, in the preamble on which the respondents rely extensively, goes into great detail about the uh, Newlands resolution and the cession of absolute fee and ownership by the Republic of Hawaii to the United States. I don't see what those law, where those laws get us. Uh, the, the, the argument that's made on the other side is that the Native Hawaiians have a moral claim to these lands, not that they have a, a property right claim to the land. And if the State of Hawaii, acting through any branch of its government, and that's not a matter of concern to us, says they have a moral claim to the land and therefore there should not be any land transfers for some period of time, uh, what's inconsistent with federal law in their doing that? Let me answer that in two steps, Justice Alito. Uh, the first step is that the State Supreme Court's permanent injunction, uh, although respondents are now saying that the claims on which, uh, the unrelinquished claims on which it is based are moral in nature, the permanent injunction is a legal obligation enforceable by contempt. And so the State, the state Supreme Court, by uh, effectively locking up the lands for an indeterminate period of time, has treated them as, uh, as legally valid and has entered uh, relief that's legal in nature. Is it the function of the Hawaiian Supreme Court to declare moral obligations? Well, would, 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 would there be any problem? Uh, certainly there, there's none if the legislature deems there to be a moral obligation and gives the land away on that basis. But you, you think there, there, there might be some uh, democracy problem if, uh, if the Supreme Court of Hawaii goes around pronouncing moral obligations and, and giving away land on that basis? Well, uh, Justice Scalia, that gets to the second half of my answer to Justice Alito as well, which is that the State Supreme Court is not free as a matter of state trust law or otherwise uh, to formulate obligations that don't relate to the State's obligation as trustee of the Federal Trust. That's You're right on that proposition. Isn't it perfectly clear that's a question of state law? I don't think so, Justice Stevens, because that state law has to comply with the limitations set out in Section 5F of the Admissions Act. And to be sure, the political branches operating as trustee of the trust have broad discretion to allocate uh, lands within and among the five purposes set out in Section 5F. But what the, uh, what the state can't do, and what in particular the state courts can't do in the name of formulating state trust law, is to rely on considerations that are altogether outside the trust. For, and in this case, uh, any consideration of the unrelinquished claims of the Native Hawaiians uh, would, not, would not be based on their status as one of the beneficiaries of the trust, I'm but just, on their... Are you saying that the state court couldn't do it, but the legislature could? Well, I'm saying uh, the... the no, Justice Stevens. Uh, this, the state court uh, can't rely, nor I think could this legislature. Could the legislature do it? The legislature could determine that the wisest use of the lands today, the way that would uh, best further, uh, promote the uh, welfare of Native Hawaiians today, would be not to sell them. The legislature certainly could do that, and it could enact a moratorium that was consistent with that view. But what it can't do is treating, and this is the question Justice Scalia asked at, uh, at the end of uh, General Bennett's uh, presentation, uh, what the, the state is not free to do is, based on the, uh, claims by Native Hawaiians, not as beneficiaries of the Section 5F Trust, but based on considerations that arose before the Admissions Act was ever enacted, based on, the, uh, based on their status as competing claimants to the title of the land, uh, give them an equitable, moral, or otherwise, or otherwise 
claim to uh, lock up the use of the land. The, st- uh, the, uh, the theory that the respondents advanced in the State Supreme Court uh, uh, under the name of trust law is that a trustee may not, uh, in furtherance of the trust, engage in an illegal act. Uh, and that's on Joint Appendix 141A to 143A and other places in the record. And the illegal act that they contemplate is uh, is the continued ownership of the lands by the state of Hawaii. Uh, So the state cannot, in in ostensible furtherance of the federal trust, rely on state law principles that presume the illegality of the federal trust or the illegality of the state legislative power to act depends on the validity of its reasoning. Uh, well, Justice Stevens, the state, uh, the state is given authority to act for particular purposes. And so the, uh, the purpose of the, of the, for which the state acts, uh, is necessarily relevant. The state can't act for a purpose that is not well, what consistent if the state with the state that it's, uh, it is imposing a moratorium on land transfers because it thinks this is the best way to promote the interests of the native Hawaiians. And part of their thinking is that there was an inequity done when absolute title was transferred to the United States and then to the state of Hawaii. Would that be a violation of federal law? Well, I think, Justice Alito, that if the state uh, made that determination with respect to the class of Native Hawaiians who are defined in the Admission Act as as one of the present-day beneficiaries of the trust and determined that it was — that that was the best way uh, to act for the betterment of Native Hawaiians, which is a permissible trust purpose, uh, that uh, that that would be permissible. But — uh, for the state to uh, to act on considerations that are wholly extrinsic to the trust, uh, to uh, to treat the uh, native the claims of native Hawaiians uh, as valid, even though they are, uh, and to assume a, a duty to the native Hawaiians that has nothing to do with the state's obligations as trustee of the Section 5F trust, uh, we think that would be impermissible. But that doesn't seem to be what the Supreme Court of Hawaii has done. The Supreme Court of Hawaii, in effect, says the land is tied up. Until these people who are currently negotiating, the state, the native Hawaiians, and what is it, the, the United Church of Christ, uh, all come to a, in effect, a, a, a resolution and a reconciliation. Whatever that means, it does not sound to me uh, as though it is the recognition of a legal title claim uh, or indeed the validity, so far as courts are concerned, with validity of any claim the native Hawaiians are making. They're just saying, no more land transfers until these people sit down and, and make up their differences. Uh, isn't that all the, the Court is saying at this point? Well, the Court said, Justice Souter, that there's a fiduciary obligation not to make these land transfers at any time until this indeterminate point in the future at which reconciliation is achieved. Uh, but to say, to say that, that, that they're not thereby pronouncing on the validity of the title, I think, is, uh, that's inconsistent with the Newlands Resolution. But, but isn't, it, isn't the fact that you and I are having this exchange a pretty good indication that we don't know what they, they, they meant exactly by that? The only thing that we can be sure of is that they thought the, uh, the apology resolution had some legal significance. Uh, they, they said, you know, it's, it's required after the apology resolution. We can say you're right or you're wrong. And I think we know what, what we're talking about. But to go beyond that, it seems to me that we're wading into an argument that you and I can't settle here. Well, I wholly agree, Justice Souter, that the State Supreme Court uh, thought the apology resolution had significance uh, and that the apology resolution more, more than the More than significance. I'm reading the sentence that immediately follows the one that General Bennett 
call to our attention on page 85A. It says, accordingly, the ecology resolution dictates that the ceded land should be preserved pending a reconciliation between the United States and the Native Hawaiian people. I mean, that's very clear language, dictates. And that's why I'm really puzzled how this Court has any business wading into any other question other than telling the Hawaii Supreme Court either they're right about what the resolution dictates or they're wrong. And that they're wrong because it's a nice apology, but it's without substantive effect. Well, I certainly agree, Justice Ginsburg, that the State Supreme Court thought the apology resolution dictated the entry of the injunction. And the, uh, also on page 85A, this, uh, the State Supreme Court says that the uh, apology resolution uh, give rises to, the fiduci- to a fiduciary duty to Native Hawaiians. And uh, uh, it, is, it is that principle uh, that the State Supreme Court was able to find a fiduciary duty uh, in, uh, and impose it on the state's trusteeship obligation, even though that that fiduciary duty arises outside the Section 5F trust, and uh, that is why we think that the uh, scope of the state of the state's obligation as trustee is within the court's uh, review at this stage. Thank you, Mr. Jay. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Mr. Shamagam. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The only issue properly presented in this case is whether the Hawaii Supreme Court concluded that the apology resolution created an affirmative federal obligation not to sell ceded lands. In our view, it did not. The Hawaii Supreme Court held only that the sale of ceded lands would breach the state's fiduciary duty to Native Hawaiians under state law. And it relied on the apology resolution only for its recognition that Native Hawaiians have claims to the ceded lands that are currently being addressed through the political process. So the, they relied on federal law to create a fiduciary obligation. So if we think that federal law did not create a fiduciary obligation, what should we do? Then the Court should vacate and remand. But we believe that the better interpretation of the Hawaii Supreme Court's opinion is that it believed that the source of the fiduciary duty at issue was state law and not federal law. To be sure, uh, all federal law, all federal law, in other words, not simply the apology resolution, but the other federal provisions? As the source for you, the fiduciary you think duty. Those, yes. The source for the fiduciary duty, according to the Hawaii Supreme Court, was state law. To the extent that the Hawaii well, Supreme with, Court with, relied with, on it. Mr. Shenmugan, on page 99, the, the state Supreme Court is saying, inasmuch as the apology resolution and related state legislation give rise to a fiduciary duty. They're saying the apology resolution did so, too, not merely state law. They did say at various points in the opinion that the apology resolution, together with state law, gave rise to the fiduciary duty. But I think that if one looks at the critical portion of the Hawaii Supreme Court's opinion on pages 31A to 32A, where the Hawaii Supreme Court actually discusses the relevance of the apology resolution, the Court makes clear that it is relying on it only for the acknowledgement that Native Hawaiians have unresolved claims. And how do you explain the language just over and over again? I won't repeat it. But they said this resolution of ours is dictated by, compelled by, the apology resolution. Without the apology resolution, 
it would be an entirely different case. And now you seem to be taking what the Hawaii Supreme Court put as the necessary link, the apology resolution. Before that, this would have been impossible. And you're treating it now as sort of window dressing, icing on the cake, really didn't matter. But we would disrespect the Hawaii Supreme Court if we didn't take them at their word and say, using words such as dictated, compelled, you're treating this as sort of just part of the atmosphere. Well, it was more than mere window dressing, Justice Ginsburg. The apology resolution really did confirm the factual predicate for respondents' state law claims. And I I do mean to emphasize that these have been state law claims from the outset. If you take a look at the original complaint in this case, which is found in the Joint Appendix at pages 34A to 36A, the only source of law on which we relied for the counts at issue here was Article 12, Section 4. That's what you relied on, but it's not what the Hawaii Supreme Court relied on. And, And I will repeat the point I made in the prior argument. What's worrisome about this is they're fastening on a piece of federal legislation and said, we're compelled to do this because of federal law. What that does is it removes it from the Hawaii political process. If they left federal law out of it and they said, truly, this decision rests on state law, we think that the title belongs with the native Hawaiians, then they have to answer to the polity. And here, the Hawaii Supreme Court insulates themselves by using the federal law as a crutch. Let me, let me be clear about this, Justice Ginsburg. If the Hawaii Supreme Court's opinion is read to construe the apology resolution as creating some affirmative duty or obligation as a matter of federal law, we agree that that would be erroneous. And would would you agree that there would be a federal question if the Hawaiian Supreme Court said the apology resolution dictates our result? No, because we believe that read in context, Justice Kennedy, that that statement is consistent with our theory of the Hawaii Supreme Court's reliance on the apology resolution. Why doesn't the Hawaii Supreme Court's reliance upon Hawaiian law to establish that there is some property right on the part of these native Hawaiians, why doesn't that conflict with federal law? The Hawaii Supreme Court relied on Hawaii law only for the existence of a fiduciary duty, and that fiduciary duty has repeatedly been recognized by the Hawaii Supreme Court. That duty gives Native Hawaiians an equitable or beneficial interest in the I don't care what you call it. It's a property interest. Well, as I read the federal law, it extinguished all property rights in these lands. Uh, The lands were transferred to the federal government, and the federal government transferred them in absolute fee without any encumbrances to the state of Hawaii. Now, if you're telling me the Hawaii Supreme Court is now finding as a matter of state law that there is a property interest on the part of the native Hawaiian, I don't care what you call it, equitable or whatever, it seems to me that is in flat contradiction of federal law and probably is an issue that we ought to address in this opinion. There are two separate issues, Justice Scalia. The first is, what was the source for the injunction in this case? And the source of the injunction was respondents' instant claims for breach of fiduciary duty. Now, to be sure, we were arguing that there would be a breach of the fiduciary duty to Native Hawaiians precisely because Native Hawaiians have underlying claims 
to the land. And it's those underlying claims that trigger all of these additional federal issues that petitioners are now seeking to inject into the case. But I think that the critical point for purposes of this Court's review at this stage is that in the Hawaii Supreme Court, we freely and repeatedly conceded that any underlying claims to the ceded lands would be non-justiciable. That much was clear as a matter of state you law. Concede, you concede that the apology resolution does not say that the Hawaiian people's claims are valid. The apology resolution say that yes or no. does not directly speak to the merits of any underlying claims, whether right, so legal or so otherwise. Do you object to a three-sentence per curiam opinion in this case where we say to the extent that the Hawaii Supreme Court would be read to suggest the apology resolution either resolved or cast a cloud, legally speaking, on the title of the trust land or suggested in any way that the land be enjoined, the sale be enjoined, the Court made a mistake. And insofar as it's resting on state law, that's up to them. I, I think so, with one caveat, and I don't mean you, to quibble with you, the drafting. You, would, you would object to that? I, I think we would acquiesce in that with one small quibble, which is that I think that the issue that is being debated here is not whether the Hawaii Supreme Court relied on the apology resolution as creating some cloud on title, precisely because we conceded below that the underlying claims were non-justiciable. The Hawaii Supreme Court clearly did not opine on the merits of those underlying claims. The only issue is whether the Hawaii Supreme Court believed that the apology resolution created a fiduciary obligation to essentially preserve and protect the ceded lands until those underlying claims How could it have resolved. done that? I mean, I didn't see anything in here that suggests anything like that. That's to suggest the apology resolution created uh, an obligation on the part of the state courts to enjoin sales until everything was worked out. I've read this apology resolution about six times, and I certainly didn't see anything like that. Where, yeah, and we, we agree that the apology resolution could not be read to create some affirmative duty not to sell the ceded land. You agree that the apology resolution does not say who's right about the claim? The no, claim. I, there, are various, there are various findings in the apology resolution that could potentially be relevant to the ultimate disposition of the land. Like it what? is, after all, significant. What? Congress. Congress uh, expressed its support for the reconciliation process, Justice Breyer, and that would provide an obvious boost in the Hawaii legislature for the ultimate resolution of those claims. And it's really for that reason, to get back to Justice Ginsburg's question, yeah, we feel it's important. If, if you took federal law, the, the apology resolution, out of the picture, the Hawaii Supreme Court could reach the result that it reached? And then we might have questions about its consistency with the, uh, what is it, the Missions Act and the Newlands Resolution. But as Justice Breyer said, if we disabuse them of the notion that there is any federal compulsion here, then the rest is to be sorted out. We wouldn't have to say that they have a good claim under state law. We'd just not address it. Yes, and, I think that's And the, the political process question, I think, is really bothersome that the Hawaii Supreme Court chose to use this federal crutch. It seems a very weak read. Re, re. 
And, and it's for that reason, Justice Ginsburg, that we freely concede that if the Hawaii Supreme Court had relied on the apology resolution as creating some federal duty, that would be problematic. We what, about the, not what about the Newlands Resolution, the Admission Act, and the Organic Law? Do you acknowledge that if the Hawaii Supreme Court relied on those, that, that also would be inappropriate? Well, it's hard to say because it would depend on how they relied on them. But I think that the critical point — They relied on them in the same way you say they relied on the apology resolution to give rise to a fiduciary duty under state law. Well, I don't think that those uh, federal acts could be read as creating a fiduciary duty not to sell the ceded land. So I think I would concede that that would be problematic as well. But I think that the question before the Court — according to petitioners, is whether an injunction, even if that injunction were framed solely in terms of state law, might itself contravene the Newlands Resolution by virtue so of So you would have no, just to carry on the opinion drafting process, you would have no objection to an opinion that said no source of federal law gave rise to a duty under state law, fiduciary or otherwise, that any further proceedings uh, on remand should be based solely on state law? Well, I think that that is right in the sense that we certainly think that the Hawaii Supreme Court in the first place intended to rely on a state law fiduciary duty, and we would certainly uh, have no problem with and indeed would welcome a remand that afforded the Hawaii Supreme Court the opportunity to do what we think they did in the first place. do nothing at all. Can I get back to Justice Breyer's three-sentence per curiam? where we just say, to the extent that the Supreme Court of Hawaii uh, relied upon the apology resolution as creating any, uh, any property entitlement uh, in, in the Hawaiians, it, it was an error. Okay, we send it back to the Hawaiian Supreme Court, and the Hawaiian Su- Supreme Court smiles and doesn't do a blessed thing. Leaves, leaves the uh, uh, injunction against any uh, distribution of the land in effect. What, what happens then? Well, I don't think they would do that, Justice You don't? On remand, I think that they would consider the issue of whether the injunction could be grounded on state law, which, after all, was the basis of our complaint from day one in this case. And there is certainly language — Oh, not if we said to the extent that. I mean, like, if we said it's, it's grounded on the proposition that the apology re- resolution creates property rights, and that's wrong, then they'd have to do something. Well, but if we just said, to the extent that it may be grounded on that, we take no position on whether it's grounded on that or not. Presumably, why, Justice Why does that require any action on their part? If the Court were to write that opinion, I assume that the last line of the opinion would be to vacate and remand, and that would eliminate the injunction. And so the Hawaii Supreme Court would have the case once again. And at that point, the Hawaii Supreme Court could clarify that the source of the fiduciary duty at issue was state law. And well, but it's not simply a question of the source of the fiduciary duty. It presumably, in the course of saying what the Apology Resolution, the Newlands Act, the Organic Act, and the Emission Act had to say, we may well say something to the effect that it's because it conveyed perfect title, it's inconsistent with the cloud of that title under a fiduciary obligation created by state law or anything else. And if the Hawaii Supreme Court on remand, Mr. Chief Justice, addressed the merits of any underlying legal claims, then this Court could review the decision. And at that point, it might have some sense of, for instance, what those legal claims actually are. But if are, we told them that the, these various federal resolutions, including the apology uh, resolution, conveyed title to the state in a particular way that precluded the burdening of the state's title on the basis of federal law, uh, uh, then they would have to uh, find a basis under state law that was not inconsistent with the federal laws conveying of perfect title. 
Well, that is presumably always true, but, you know, I think for purposes of the current posture of the case, Mr. Chief Justice, the only Federal issue that is before the Court is the question of whether the apology resolution was the source of the underlying obligation. And do you, think, did not do you think that that resolution is distinguishable in any way from the apology that the United States made to the people of Japanese ancestry who were interned after World War II in the United States did say it was a, I think it was an executive order by President Ford, but it was in no uncertain terms stated that the United States made a dreadful error, that there was never any basis for rounding up those people and putting them in internment camps. Did, is there any difference? And, and that, as I understand it, had no substantive effect till Congress passed legislation providing for compensation. Uh, the, uh, uh, the apology resolution in this case does not speak directly to the merits of any underlying claims. What it does do is recognize that the overthrow of the Kingdom of Hawaii was illegal, apologize for the Federal Government's involvement in that overthrow, and in the operative provisions of the resolution, expresses support for the reconciliation process. And it is that expression of support uh, on which the Hawaii Supreme Court critically relied here in informing its application of state law. So if I said that just in the opinion and said just what you said and nothing else about the resolution, say we don't see any other way in which the resolution could have supported this, that, is that okay with you? Uh, yes, that would be okay, Justice Breyer. And I, I do think that it would be important for this Court to make clear that to the extent that the Hawaii Supreme Court in any subsequent remand relies on the apology resolution only for what are essentially factual findings, its acknowledgement that Native Hawaiians have unrelinquished claims, which is uh, uh, undoubtedly true as a factual matter. I don't hear petitioners to suggest otherwise. And its recognition that there is an ongoing reconciliation process that is entirely proper. And the but then it would also have to just to, the, the opinion <coughs> we're drafting would go f further, I suppose. And since we're interpreting all these federal provisions, it may not be sufficient to say that it did not create this obligation, and the Hawaii Supreme Court was wrong to do that, but that it precluded the creation <coughs> under state law of this type of obligation. Well, that and is if the, if the Hawaiian Supreme Court wants to create under state law. Uh, a particular type of fiduciary obligation grounded on the status of the land prior to admission, then it has to run under the Supremacy Clause. It has to be consistent with the uh, Federal provisions. But the Hawaii Supreme Court, in the opinion under review, did not ground that duty on any judgment about the validity of the original conveyance of title. No, I'm not saying they did. That's the first question. I'm not saying they grounded it on Federal law. I'm saying we would have to determine whether Federal law precluded the grounding of a fiduciary duty under the status of the land prior to admission. But I do think, Mr. Chief Justice, that that is an entirely discreet question from the question presented, and it's entirely discreet precisely because this argument concerning the new ones resolution could have arisen even if the injunction were, as we believe it was, unambiguously based solely on state law with nary a reference to the apology resolution. The, native, precisely the, nat the native Hawaiians, they do get 20 percent of the proceeds, right? Uh, that's and correct. It, and what, that comes out of Hawaii legislation? Uh, yes, that's right. It comes out of, I think it's Hawaii Revised Statute 10-13.5, and 
uh, as a matter of state law, they get 20 percent of the revenue from the ceded lands trust, though the amount of that revenue has itself been the subject of protracted and unresolved litigation. The, the $5.5 million figure, is that the subject of litigation? Uh, the evaluation of the Leolii parcel was challenged in this litigation, and it remains pending before the trial court. But I think more broadly, the important point is that to the extent that the injunction in this case was based on uh, the uh, uh, lack of resolution of underlying claims in the state political process. The Hawaii legislature could readily resolve those claims without in any way casting any doubt on the validity of the original conveyance of lands to the federal government. It might, but it also, I guess, has a uh, — there in the admission resolution, it set up a trust. They hold it in trust, and there are five purposes in the, in the trust, and only one of those relates to the Native Hawaiians. I know from the newspapers, I don't know the merits of it, that the trust that's been set up is the subject of controversy continuously. So what I don't see, and I hope we don't have to get into this, is what the relation between the trust principles as enacted in the legislature is and the trust principles set forth in the admissions uh, resolution. Is there any need at all to go into anything like that? Well, no, but let me say something about that, because I do think that it is relevant to our interpretation of the Hawaii Supreme Court's mm -hmm. opinion. What the State of Hawaii did with Article 12, Section 4 of the Hawaii Constitution was essentially to say that while the State does have some discretion to use the assets in the Section 5F Ceded Lands Trust for any of the stated purposes, the State owes a particularly high duty to Native Hawaiians. The Hawaii Supreme Court has so construed Article 12, Section 4 in other cases involving the Ceded Lands Trust. And at page 39A of its opinion in this case, the Hawaii Supreme Court plainly relied on that provision as the source of its fiduciary duty, the fiduciary duty that we believe was at issue in this case. The opinion does not cite that provision in so many words, but it refers to the Hawaii Constitution and a case construing that provision. Is, is the Court the trustee? The State is the trustee. The State is the trustee. So I assume it would be up to the State officers to decide to what extent the obligation to the Hawaiians, among the five obligations, should be given precedence. Is the Supreme Court of Hawaii directing the state officers to give it precedence? Oh, well, Article 12, Section 4, we would respectfully submit, Justice Scalia, it does place Native Hawaiians in something of a privileged position vis-a-vis -vis the other beneficiaries. And in construing Article 12, Section 4, the Hawaii Supreme Court was doing, albeit in a somewhat unusual context, what courts do every day, which is essentially to evaluate whether the trustee is acting consistent with the trustee's obligations under the terms of the trust. And saying that, that the trustee must uh, direct it primarily to, to that among the five ends. All that the Hawaii Supreme Court said was, in light of the very realistic prospect that lands may be returned to Native Hawaiians as part of the reconciliation process that Congress recognized in the apology resolution, it would constitute a breach of fiduciary duty to sell those lands for another trust purpose, for the simple reason that once those lands are gone, they are gone forever. And that is entirely consistent with the general principle of trust law, that a trustee in exercising its discretion. And, and all this comes from the fact that Congress made reference to and approved a so-called reconciliation process? Well, Congress's support so for that. So in, in perpetuum, this land can't be transferred because Congress 
approve this, uh, this reconciliation process? Only until the claims of Native Hawaiians are resolved. And what is clear, regardless of the degree of reliance on the apology resolution, Justice Scalia, is that the Hawaii Legislature has substantial discretion to act and to act in a way that essentially uh, vacates the terms of the injunction. So if the Hawaii Legislature either says we're going to reach a definitive resolution of the underlying claims of Native Hawaiians by giving them land or additional monetary compensation, or the Hawaii Supreme Court determines or, or, or that — Or denying it to them? Or denying it to them, then presumably, uh, according to the terms of the injunction, uh, it would no longer have any force. So the Hawaii Legislature remains empowered to act in such a way as to uh, get out from under the terms of the injunction to the extent they are restrictive. I would note, however, parenthetically, that uh, immediately after this litigation was commenced, the Hawaii Department of Land and Natural Resources imposed a unilateral moratorium on the sale of ceded lands. That moratorium, as an executive matter, has remained in effect during the 14-year pendency of this litigation, even during the considerable period between the trial court's ruling in favor of petitioners and the Hawaii Supreme Court's ruling in our favor. So there doesn't seem to be any great impetus on the part of the state to sell ceded lands. Indeed, Governor Lingle, one of the petitioners in this case, has recently and repeatedly made statements to the effect that the state has no intention to sell ceded lands. And if that is really the state's position, and I would be very interested in my friend General Bennett's views on the matter, then it would seem that there really is no case or controversy before this Court at all, because if the state has no intention to sell ceded lands and the sale of ceded lands was uh, the instigating event for this litigation, there would not necessarily be any real dispute between the parties. Uh, I, I want to say just, you know, one more word. So the decision of the Hawaii Supreme Court would then be vacated? Uh, the petition would be dismissed under Munsingware. Under Munsingware? Yes. What's if, the if other? there is, in fact, mootness. No. And if, there, if, the state presum- if the state had no intention to sell ceded lands, presumably the underlying dispute would be moot. I don't quite understand. You mean, you mean a federal court can enjoin the sale of my house and there's nothing I can do about it inasmuch as I do not have any present intention of selling my house? Well, if I just have to live under that if injunction? If a federal court enjoined you from selling your house without any underlying uh, legal authority for doing so, presumably that injunction would be invalid. But the critical no, no, you, point — you say there's no controversy, so I, I cannot get its validity adjudicated, right? Well, here, the lawsuit was commenced by respondents because respondents believed that the state was going to imminently sell the Leolii parcel. That was the triggering event for this litigation. Uh, it now appears uh, at least possible that the state has no intention to sell even that parcel, and if that were true, I don't, think that, I don't think that the state has to have an immediate intention to sell any particular piece of land in order to object to an injunction against any uh, sale of land by the state in the future. I, I don't think it has to wait until it it wants to sell a particular plot. Well, it just it merely suggests that the that there is no longer an underlying dispute, Justice Scalia, because again, yes, there is. The state says I'm free to sell the land. And, and the court says, no, you're not. Isn't that a dispute? Well, I, I, I think that there is, you know, there was a case or controversy as this case came to the court in the Article Three sense, precisely because there was a dispute between the parties about your, your the whole case of the rests on a cloud untitled uh, in favor of your clients, but you ignore the cloud untitled that's been entered against the state. 
Well, uh, first of all, our whole theory has never been that there is a cloud on title. Now, to be sure, we have maintained at various points in this litigation that Native Hawaiians do have potentially valid legal claims as well as moral and political claims to the underlying lands. But we have never argued that the injunction in this case should be based on some assessment of the existence or validity of legal claims. To the contrary, we have consistently taken the position, and this is clear from our briefs before the Hawaii Supreme Court, that any such underlying claims would be non-justiciable. And for that reason, all that we were seeking was an injunction to protect these lands until those claims could be resolved through the political process. That was all that we were seeking below, and the Hawaii Legislature, again, could readily resolve those underlying claims without in any way casting doubt on the validity of the Newlands Resolution or any other federal enactment that uh, purports to recognize absolute title I, in the ceded I lands. Go back to your, your suggestion that this is a moot case because the government, because the the, the governor agrees with your position. But wasn't a lot of money already sunk into developing this area of Maui for desperately needed housing? A lot of money was uh, sunk into this uh, parcel, at least according to the record below. And the state would remain free at a minimum to proceed with the development uh, by simply uh, entering into long-term leases instead of the sale of these parcels of land. Indeed, there appears to be some suggestion that that is what the state would do in the event that this court uh, does not vacate the injunction. And so, and indeed in the state of Hawaii, it is not uncommon for uh, land to be transferred by means of such long-term leases. So it isn't as if the state would be barred from engaging in any development whatsoever. The terms of the injunction simply prohibit the sale of these lands. And again, the state executive has been operating uh, under a, an effective moratorium on the sale of ceded lands of its own volition during the pendency of this litigation, which suggests, at a minimum, regardless of the jurisdictional implications, that there is no great burden on the state from this injunction, which, again, by its terms, lasts only as long as the state legislature acts. And I would add one additional point on that score, which is that to the extent that we believe that the Hawaii Supreme Court's decision rested on a fiduciary duty under state law, the state would, of course, be free to amend its constitution in order to make clear that the state's fiduciary duty to Native Hawaiians does not run to the extent of requiring uh, this injunction. But this, uh, there has been no effort to do that, and I would submit that it, as a political matter, it would be highly unlikely. Mr. Shanmugam, you, you didn't raise in, in your uh, opposition to the petition uh, uh, the question of uh, uh, mootness. Well, the governor's statements about uh, the lack of an intention to sell ceded lands were only made literally in the days before we filed our brief. We do refer to them in a footnote in our merits brief, uh, and I think that that would be sufficient to preserve the issue. To well, you don't have to preserve it. I mean, if it's, it's an issue of uh, Article Three uh, jurisdiction, so we'd have to look into it on, on our own, but it does suggest that it is not a very strong string to your bow, I put it that way. Yeah, well, I, I would submit that even if the Court does not believe that this rises to the level of jurisdictional import, that it is at least significant in assessing the, the substantiality of the burden on the State, that the State, uh, through its highest representative, appears to be suggesting that 
the State has no present need to alienate any of these lands. Mr. Shammy, it's just a matter of curiosity. Do you know what percentage of the Hawaiian population is comprised of Native Hawaiians? I think the most recent figures from the 2000 Census are that there are something like 1.2 million uh, people in the State of Hawaii, and of that number, uh, something like 240,000 identify themselves as Native Hawaiians in the way that that phrase is currently defined under State law. Thank you. Thank you, Counsel. General Bennett, you have a minute remaining. Thank you, Your Honor. It is undisputed that respondents asserted a property interest claim, that any property interest claim is in flat contradiction with Federal law, that the State has perfect title to these lands, and that there is no possible reason why this Court should not disabuse the State Court of the incorrect notion that the State lacks perfect title. On the mootness issue, uh, the Asarco versus Kaddish case makes clear that the injunction that's been entered is a present injury, but in addition, the Governor, who does not control all the State lands, there are a variety of independent agencies that do talked about sale, but not transfer or exchange, which are other uh, things that are forbidden by this Court's, the State Court's injunction. But Asarco clearly uh, sets out that we have an injury, but again, what the basis of the State Court's decision is a property right interest. It is now undisputed by counsel that such a property right interest is absolutely inconsistent with Federal law, and there is no reason why in this 14-year-old litigation this Court should not make clear the simple and undisputed fact that pursuant to the Newlands Resolution, the Organic Act, and the Admission Act, the State has perfect title. Thank you, General. The case is submitted.